The term triggered has taken on a whole new connotation in recent years, leading to a lot of confusion about what it actually means. For people who've experienced trauma, being triggered is a very real and concerning phenomenon. Today, we're living in the most triggered time in any moment in history. Statistics reveal that anxiety is now snowballing in the United States. We are seemingly overrun by financial and healthcare fears and a declining belief in the American dream and a distrust of the government. Another one of the leading reasons is the amount of news media and inflammatory biases has created a bit of a powder cake deep within our souls. We have information, but we don't have understanding. We have statistics, but we lack wisdom. We're experiencing strife, crisis, injustice, shortages, unbelievable violence, and short fuses at crisis levels. Social media often gives an outlet to an irrational inciting rants of people who are traumatized or seeking to bring drama for shock value. But what if we're not being triggered, but being cued for greater things and a greater grace? In this episode of Keep 100, we will enter into the crucial conversation about modern day triggers, what causes them, and how they are formed, and how to get free from the triggers that tie you in a toxic emotional traumas welcome to keep it 100 podcast with sean and krista smith join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and a real inspiration this podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance but revelation to forever change lives Hey, everyone. We are so excited for another episode of Keep It 100. Hey, everybody. We're back. We're back. Come on. It's Shauna Krista Smith, and we're excited to be with the Keep It 100 tribe. We have been some places since we were last with you, and rather than do a summary of all of them, we're just going to talk about some highlights real fast. So, Sean, what is your highlight? My highlight is that I was in Leesburg, Georgia. That's yeah, right. Leesburg, Georgia. Georgia, at Grace City Church. And it was so impressive just the way God is using the couple there, uh, Joshua and Bren, they're amazing. But I gave a word of knowledge that was very specific, pointing to an area called a man's out, specific condition, and even the fact that he's tried to use over-the-counter medication. The guy the whole time is shaking and recognizing he and his wife are looking at each other. It is exactly him to a T. He was so excited. By the way, we prayed for him. He went out that day and ate like crazy food that would normally inflame his stomach, put him in knots, and he was totally fine. He, by the way, burst into the green room after the service and said, how did you know? How did you know? He says, I'm sorry. I just have to know, how did you know? And I said, well, so I looked over in that area. The Lord just dropped this thought in my mind. I felt the anointing of God and he began to share. So since that time, he he texts me and he says, hey, what am I supposed to do with this now? I feel like God's on this. What what am I supposed to do with it? And I just shared that, hey, you're supposed to prioritize God's presence, but you're supposed to dive into the Lord in a way that he could use your story. So he's already jumped on social media and shared with people and everybody is chiming in who know him. He's just an influential guy. I just love the fact that one, word of knowledge from the Lord can transform a guy's life where he is on a whole different incline, a whole different velocity in going after things of God. That just so excites me. Plus, oh, I love that. we saw about 40 people give their life to the Lord. Come on. So that was amazing. Right? I mean, that we'll never tire of that, right? Yes. And just the zeal and the excitement of being encountered by God, it's yes. just, that's beautiful. When you said he burst into the green room, I just thought that is so, so cool. cool. Now, what is your ministry highlight? Okay. So, man, we've had so many, so much good stuff, but I would definitely say highlight Highlight for me recently, we were at the ACPE, which is a Prophets Roundtable. Cindy Jacobs hosts it. I feel so honored. You feel so honored. We're honored Facts. to be able to be around that table, to be included in that conversation. But it's really talking about what God is saying at this time, at this hour. It was incredibly life-giving. Lots of relationships we've had through the years. Being able to hear what God's saying uh, not only gave me hope, but gave me a lot of strategy for what's ahead. And then we got the privilege of speaking at GPS, which is the Global Prophetic Summit, again, hosted by Mike and Cindy Jacobs. 
and we got to share what the Lord is saying. And it was just a, such a powerful time. Uh, I really felt like the strategy of heaven and the word of the Lord came forth. And it was a highlight for me because not only do I love personally to release what I feel like the Lord's saying, but we were with a prophetic company where everyone was sharing what God was saying. And it was truly profound. Uh, if you can jump on, I know that they're for sale on Cindy's website and just watch some of the teachings. They're just about 15, 20 minutes. And they're just these power punched like pockets, so to speak, of like God declaring things over people for this hour. So I thought it was amazing. Keep 100 Tribe, let me tell you, first of all, there were generals of generals there. I mean, yeah. if I were to mention and begin to tell you the names of the people all lined up in the front row, and I was so proud of you, Chrissy. You just brought the word of the oh, Lord. thank you, And as, I, I'm sure there's probably over uh, 20 to 25 different speakers that were part of this conference, but people came up to me and just saying, oh my God, your wife's message changed the entire oh. conference for me. It was the most impactful. I told her, you guys, I'll brag on her because she, she, she won't do it on herself. And all my years of hearing her speak, it was the most profound, just fluid, Holy Ghost stream I've ever heard her speak from. Wow. I hugged her afterwards. It, it was amazing. It, it was crazy great. He did. When I when I cut off the platform, he just held me. It was actually really special. It was just, I felt God. I felt the love of my husband. And thank you, baby, for saying that. That like yeah. genuinely humbles me. And you're not a flatterer. Like you say what you believe is true. So the fact you believe that is really like, I feel honored. Thank you for yes. loving me. Thanks for championing me. And you know, you brought down the house yourself. I tell you what, my husband, he's a humble man, but he brought the word of the Lord. It was, it's a privilege to, to preach alongside my husband and just for the us together to be able to do it. It's a, such a gift. You know, I want to talk about kind of a current thing that's happening. I just want to shift the conversation just a little bit. Uh, we're talking about kind of current topics and, you know, this week's episode, we've titled it how to triumph over triggers and we're titling it no longer tied down. But with that concept of triggers, I want to talk about something that's become a bit controversial and it's surprising that it's a controversy, but it does show us where our society's at today. The fact this is even controversial. Hallmark, as you know, the Hallmark versus the Great American Family. These are two channels, two networks, and a man who used to work for Hallmark then bought a network and he's now calling it Great American Family. And he describes a Great American Family. Also, the GAF is the um, acronym that they used to describe it. It's described as this program as celebrating faith, family, and country. Uh, Candace Cameron Burr, many of us know her previously as the face of Hallmark. She's now shifted into contracts because her contract ended with Hallmark. She then signed a new contract with the Great American Family. She's now facing backlash following her recent comments about her new TV project where she says she's going to prioritize portraying what we call traditional marriage. Now, you and I would hear that and we'd think, yay, that's amazing. But what's crazy is that has caused her to receive an abundant amount of hate, backlash, and massive criticism. Yeah, it's so true. And it's kind of surprising. I mean, there are a lot of Hollywood types that are a lot of people, but it's just crazy to think that the vast majority of people in America, let's just obviously for a moment, obviously we're hitting it from a, a biblical worldview, but let's just say the majority of people on the planet would classify themselves as people that would value traditional marriage. I bet, I bet if we were to do a straw poll, this is how many of you appreciate that there's a, a man. I mean, you look at the majority of movies, you look at the majority of love stories, etc. And so here is a woman that 
that just says, hey, I want to portray that. She's not even saying in the midst of that, that uh, any other form uh, is to be obliterated or is to be looked down upon. She just said she wanted to portray and she's getting backlash over that. That's just amazing to me. And it just reflects kind of the state of the times and the place that we're in. And, and the Bible talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God. And it goes on to say they will be irreconcilable, unloving, unforgiving. And it's like the times at the end are going to be so rife with people being triggered by what folks said and by their own agendas that you could see how this is being set up. And actually, it's just kind of a sad indictment of where we're at as a nation. It really is true. And the people that are leading this indictment really are the ones that have just championed this whole cause of quote unquote tolerance, right? These are the same ones that are leading the charge in the cancel culture. I mean, go figure. The ones that are like, you have to tolerate everything. Anyone that's different, they're embrace diversity, all the things are the ones saying, if you disagree with us, if you don't actually agree with the agenda, that's our agenda, then we're going to cancel you. So it's such an oxymoron. It's such a contradiction that the same people that are championing this modern day tolerance are championing a cancel culture, if it doesn't sound like them. Yeah. And I would say this, Tribe, I just want to throw this in. You got to understand scripture on this. Yes. Very Luke true. 6, 26, Jesus warned, woe to you when all people speak well of you. He says, so that their fathers did to false prophets. Mm. So the bottom line is you, you, you should not be overly concerned when speak people are not speaking well of you. You should be concerned when all people speak well of you, because the Bible says that essentially the spirit of the world loves its own. And so I, I just see this as Christians, we're not to go looking for trouble, but if you truly follow Jesus, some trouble is going to find you. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to really understand today's topic is really coming from our place and where we're at in culture today. Sean and I really talked about what's a current thing that people are dealing with, and that is triggers. We're walking into the holiday season, we're walking to Thanksgiving, right around the corner is Christmas. The holidays for a lot of people is an amazing time, but for others, it's definitely a source of trigger. But we're seeing from such a time of a global pandemic to an economic recession, to inflation, to a lot of crisis around us, we're seeing exaggerated responses, people on edge, people maxed out, and people are triggered. So we want to yes. bring up the conversation of triggers today because we want to, number one, expose why someone might be having a trigger, and that might produce in you some more compassion and some ba basic strategy in order to how to kind of navigate what you're dealing with the person, or it might actually expose a trigger in you and produce some inner healing where the Jesus can actually meet you in your trigger and heal you from it and set you free. So we're really hoping with today's conversation, there's going to be some breakthrough and there's going to be some freedom. But before we dive any further, let's talk about what is a trigger. Let me bring you a definition. Definition of a trigger is having an intense negative emotional reaction to something, usually something connected with a past trauma or a bad experience. Triggers are sensory reminders that can cause painful memories or certain symptoms to resurface. Things yep. that are dormant within us, something happens. We've all been there. I've been there. Sean's been there. Yeah. Something happens and that old dormant feeling, thought, reaction comes rushing forward before you even realize what's going on. That's called a trigger. So we've got to continue to ask the question. Okay, so Krista, continue to break down what is a trigger. So let me just make it simple for you. In general, when a person's triggered, that means they're being provoked by an event that awakens or worsens the symptoms of a traumatic event. A person's strong reaction to being triggered may come as a surprise to other people around them. You know, we've all been there when someone has a massive emotional response that's out of proportion to what the situation deems or calls 
for, right? Yeah, we've, yeah. we've all been, you're kind of like, what the heck's going on? They've just been triggered. But this is because the triggered individual individual is mentally reliving that original trauma. And you're right, their response is out of proportion for the current circumstance. But we're going to break this down today. What are triggers? What do they look like in your life? And how Jesus wants to set you free? You're absolutely correct in saying we've all seen that. And we all kind of go, ooh, awkward. What's going on there? I believe in there is a great example in scripture in 1 Samuel. And I was thinking about this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, 9 through 10. Many of us are familiar with the story of David and Goliath. But sometimes we don't focus in on what set up David going against Goliath. And the Bible talks about in 1 Samuel 17, 8 through 10, that Goliath, who was his champion of Gath that the Philistines kind of hired as a mercenary, he stood and he shouted a taunt to the Israelites who were God's people. And you got to understand the backdrop is the Israelites for 40 days, the Bible says Goliath came out and taunted them twice a day in the morning and the evening. So they would put on their armor. They would line up in battle array. They would do battle chants. They would walk out to a battlefield and essentially 80 times they retreated. But this verse lets us know why would they retreat and why would you keep lining up and going out to fight after 80 times? You would think, okay, if I went out and ran from a dude three or four times, after a while, you just don't show up. So something was going on that was supernaturally bad on that battlefield. And I think we found the verse. And it says that Goliath, he shouted this taunt as the Israelites boo. And he said, basically, why are you coming out to fight me? He says, I'm a Philistine champion. So he's he's reading his credentials. He's flexing on them, y'all. And he says, but you are only the servants of Saul. He said, I'm a champion. You're only the servants of Saul. And he essentially says, choose someone who's going to fight me. And if he, he kills me, be your slave. But if I kill him, you will be my slaves. And then he goes on to say, I defy the armies of Israel today. And it says in verse 11, 1 Samuel 17, verse 11, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So I was thinking about it. Goliath was a guy that was 10 feet tall, and some would estimate that the man probably weighed like close to 500 pounds. He's a big dude. You would think that the Israelites would see his size and go, oh man, he's a big dude. Let's run. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says when they heard this, they were terrified as if his words triggered them. Somewhere along the line, they had heard about Goliath. Somewhere along the lines, there was a spirit of Goliath, which I believe is uh, in the land today that wants to taunt you and kind of let you know by flexing, hey, this is my track record, but you are only this, and I'm going to defy you today. You can't fight me. And many times that could be rooted in a past bad experience. That could be rooted in us making a stand for Jesus and being embarrassed at one point because people slammed us. That could be an attack of the enemy. It could, it could look so many different ways, but here's an example of an entire army that God had met them before, and they defeated people, armies, uh, enemies against all odds, but somehow they were triggered by this guy. Ooh, that is so good. I'm going to give you two categories of triggers. Triggers, basically, they vary widely from person to person. They could be one of two ways. They could either be internal or external. So let me give you an example. The first category of triggers are internal triggers. An internal trigger comes from within a person. It could be a memory. It could be a physical sensation. It could be an emotion. For example, you're exercising. You start getting pains in your chest. You start thinking about the heart conditions that your family suffered from. And now you believe you got that condition. It's going to take you out like it took out granddad and uncle. Or maybe you're watching a movie and you've seen abuse in it and you've been maybe a, a victim of abuse. And, and man, we're, we our hearts go out to you. That should never happen to anyone. But if you're not healed in the area of your life, uh, it's still an area that's very painful and tender. And you could easily be triggered by watching someone else get abused. Other common triggers include anger, anxiety, feeling overwhelmed, vulnerable, abandoned, out of control, loneliness, as well as memories tied to a traumatic event that's brought through pain or sadness. So the first category of triggers are internal triggers. And the second, that's so good. 
good. And the second category of triggers is external triggers. This is when something happens from the outside that affects you internally. So external triggers come from a person's environment. It can be a person, a place, a specific situation. And what may be normal everyday situation or even a minor inconvenience for someone may be triggering to someone else. So we might think it's no big deal, but because of someone's past or what they've walked through, it can really trigger someone. So for example, a person living with trauma that isn't healed. Remember trauma, we can all go through trauma, but when trauma is unhealed, this is how it can manifest in your life. A movie, a television show, a news article that reminds them of a negative experience or a person connected to that negative experience, or when they begin to argue with a friend or their marriage partner, or they're someone that they're in a relationship with, that arguing can trigger them because it can remind them of a painful experience or something that was exposed to them when they were young. Certain sounds can remind them of an experience, right? Songs. Songs even, that's right. But even sounds, like you can hear a scream, you can hear a clash or a collision, you can hear a thud or a gunshot or whatever, maybe a sound can actually trigger you as well. Changes to a relationship or ending a relationship can be a massive trigger. Significant dates such as holidays, anniversaries, or the date of a trauma or when a loved one passed away, if it was a traumatic way or a traumatic event, or even going to a specific location reminds people of an experience or even smells. And I know this might be odd to some people, but you can smell cigarette smoke or alcohol or weed or drugs or or even like a fire. Uh, You can smell things and it can actually trigger trauma. So it's interesting that there's internal triggers and there's also external triggers. That's true. And I'm glad we hit categories and this may seem like overlap, but hear us on this. There's also types of emotional triggers. We want to give you some of those. Again, a trigger can be anything, but most triggers will fall into a few categories. And which category your trigger falls into is based on the initial traumatic incident, the feelings it causes. And uh, the most common types of triggers are anxiety triggers. Right now, I could tell that there are people that are resonating with this. Mm -hmm. Like the name implies, anxiety triggers relates to feelings of extreme nervousness that come seemingly out of nowhere. Common signs of anxiety triggers are nervousness, shaking, stomach troubles, increased heart rate. I just want to stop and tell everybody (laughs) I had these growing up. Every single one of these. I had nervousness. So sad to me. An extreme nervousness. I would come out of no place. You guys heard I I flunked high school speech because I get so nervous. I'd shake. I had stomach issues. I had an increased heart rate. In fact, I was diagnosed as having an enlarged heart and they were going to put a pacemaker, but God did a miracle. And so these are anxiety triggers. Mm -hmm. And common examples of anxiety triggers include some people, they don't want to go out in public. That's called agoraphobia. Some people are afraid of new people coming in the mix. Mm -hmm. Xenophobia. Mm -hmm. Or some people are afraid of making phone calls, which is crazy to think in a day of cell phones, or some people are just afraid of trying something new. I just want you to stop and and remember, if you are suffering from anxiety triggers, stick with this podcast. We're going to give you some bullets to put in your gun against the enemy so you can triumph over triggers. But that's just one type. What's another type? Yeah. You know, and what I love is, you know, uh, Sean is such a picture of he had so much trauma as a child and he had all these different triggers and he literally walks as probably one of the most healed, healthy and whole person. So like Sean said, stay tuned in this episode because you're going to get some bullets in your gun against the enemy. I love this. So we're talking about triggers. Sean talked about anxiety triggers. I'm going to talk to you about anger triggers. So these are emotional triggers that lead to strong, sudden outbursts of anger. And maybe some of you experience this or you know people that deal with this. And these emotional triggers are based in trauma and they leave individuals feeling a lack of control. So people that have felt like they've been preyed upon, victimized, or things have been out of their control, they've been manipulated, exploited, Often these will be, uh, this will be a reaction because of what's been dealt with or what's happened to them in their life. Signs of anger triggers include bodily tension, fast, shallow breathing, 
And even sometimes individuals try to use drugs. That's where we see a lot of addiction come into play. So people that often deal with anger triggers, and that's to manage those anger triggers. Many times the levels of your outrage doesn't match the level of offense. That's when you know you got trauma happening in that moment. Another type of trigger, because remember, we talked about anxiety. We talked about anger. Now we're going to talk to you about trauma triggers. For individuals who've undergone trauma, processing those feelings can be really challenging because they can be extremely painful and overwhelming. And for some, trauma triggers can manifest alongside post-traumatic stress disorder. And although they can occur on their own as well, these emotional triggers often manifest with avoidance behaviors where people knowingly or not avoid situations that remind them of their past trauma. So they never in a t- in a sense have the opportunity to actually face what's holding them back because they'll avoid even having to deal with the pain. But if you do that, that's actually will keep you in the trauma rather than walking in a place of healing through the trauma. You know what you said, Boo, is so key. I think an example that illustrates this, and it's a, it's a tragedy, is the University of Virginia shooting where one guy, the football team is on a field trip and one guy shoots and kills three teammates and leaves one player and another student wounded. But I was thinking somewhere along the line, the guy probably had anxiety triggers that it was kind of like, this can be uh, increased heart rate. This could mean certain fears and certain things going on inside of him. His dad, I heard, came out and said that he felt like he had been bullied, you know, verbally, he had been picked on a little bit. So the anxiety probably led, the anxiety trigger led to an anger trigger because this guy begins to open fire, tragically even shot one of the players while the player was asleep on the bus. And so the anger trigger, and this is going to court and it's become big news right now, but think about everyone on that bus that saw it, they're now experiencing trauma triggers. And so you could just see that tragedy of that taking place. And man, uh, the loss there, it's heartbreaking. Mm. It breaks the heart of the Lord. Uh, No one wins in this situation. It's obviously something that the enemy does, but we could just see the extreme of what happens when triggers are left unaddressed in our lives. So well said to such a tragic situation. As we shift to our Hundo P segment, this is where we ask key questions and we get to the root of what's really going on. First question, Sean, how do you think triggers are actually formed? You know, it's funny. I did a little research on this. Mental health people, uh, they don't really precisely know how triggers form. But some researchers believe that the brain stores memories from a traumatic event differently from memories of a non-traumatic event. And so when triggered, a brain might interpret a past traumatic event as current. Whereas, you know, you going to Disneyland as a kid, that doesn't come back that you're currently at Disneyland because it was stored differently. That's a non-traumatic event. Uh, This causes your body to experience symptoms as it did in response to the original trauma. And so having said that, traumas come from undealt with places that usually coincide with trauma. They're usually in our childhood. And for some, the trigger was someone's disapproval, resentment. Uh, You never felt like you were appreciated, loved. You could never fully please anyone. Uh, That you were paranoid paranoid around people because you felt like, man, they disliked you. And so trigger origins is that uh, not all strong emotional responses are trigger reactions. Let's just be honest. Let's call it what it is. If you receive news about the loss of a friend or relative, it is sane and sensitive to react with shock and grief. Your body experiences automatic change in heart rate, breathing, pulses, brain synapses. This is not something to be avoided. Come on, hear us, folks. This is healthy. That's right. And you got to grieve. You got to go through your process and try to control it with Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when we react this strongly to a a less significant event, though, it's likely that the past is invading the present and hijacking our nervous system. And in psychotherapy, they cite different categories of triggers. So I'm going to give you, they actually cite eight of them. We're going to go with eight. So here we go. Uh, Number one is feeling self-conscious. 
subconscious. It's one of the, the triggers uh, that are origins is that when you feel like you're alone in a group or you start comparing yourself, you start wishing you were someone else, this is a trigger. Second of all, when you're feeling that you're being discounted, come on, who hasn't felt that? You feel like, uh, you know, when you stand up and say something, everybody ignored you. It goes cricket. Someone else stands up, we all, yeah, let's do that. There's always played in comedies where somebody will give an idea, everyone ignores them, someone else repeats what they just said, <laughs> and everybody claps and goes, that's the greatest idea yeah, ever. Yeah. Or we may feel that way and people ignore our calls, ignore our texts. There's more ways to get ignored in a technologically savvy and advanced True. culture than any place else. Number three, uh, feeling that we're being controlled. When you feel like you're being dominated, when someone's making decisions for you, you're around a strong personality telling you what to do or feel, uh, this can be an origin of a trigger. Another one, obviously, is feeling feelings of being taken advantage of. Someone uh, kind of forgets to pay you back when you you loan them something, or someone took advantage of you in terms of your time or your affections. And so these are a couple uh, trigger origins that I could think about. You know, I would probably add to the list. That was great. I would I would continue to also say, you know, another thing that causes trigger is feeling really vulnerable when you're feeling like exposed, right? When you're in a situation, you're like, hold on, like, you know, like I'm not feeling covered in this. I think that that can definitely cause like another trigger. I think another trigger, and I've certainly experienced this in my life, is boundary concerns. And this is when, you know, someone's coming at us and it feels like your boundary isn't going to be, you know, respected. That can be when you deal with someone that's intoxicated. That can be with someone that is possibly abusive, but it could also just be in the workplace. It could be just in a professional relationship or in a relationship with even like in the local church. Like you just feel like your boundaries are not being respected and they're coming at you and there's pressure to, to cross your boundaries. And that's like, that causes a trigger. I know I've gone through that feeling uncomfortable. Here's another trigger feeling uncomfortable about what's happening. Like when you're witnessing something, but you don't feel like you have a voice or the authority to stop it or to make it right. You're triggered because it feels like it's out of control, your control. It feels like you don't have uh, the ability to make it okay. So you're feeling um, like too small in a situation that requires you to be big, right? And the last category of trigger, this is what we're talking about. We're just kind of going through this list of it, is fearing what might happen, like fearing the future. And that's when, when an imminent threat is coming your way and you're not sure what to do or how to deal with it. So you're fearing what could happen, what's being told to you, what could happen, and you're not feeling like you're able to be prepared or ready for the, you know, the threat that's coming your way. So notice that every trigger on this list that we read, while unpleasant, it's a given of life and relationships, all triggers are. This is the way life and people are sometimes. We know that. Human interactions come with the possibility of disappointment. Facts. You know, none of us are entitled to a life without triggers or trauma or pain. All of us, we recognize that these ordinary life events can and often do remind us of traumas in our past. And all of us have gone through difficult things. But with Jesus, this is what I love. What is the word of God says? We take all the trauma, we talk all the pain, we take all the stuff and we bring it to Jesus. And that's always going to be our postures as followers and disciples of him. And I love this because Psalm 18, one and two says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I love that. So ever present, so personal, right? And then Psalm 46, one says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So with that being said, I need to ask you another question, Sean. I want to ask you, why then do you think people suffer from triggers? I think people suffer from triggers, emotional triggers for a couple of reasons. Uh, One of them being opposing beliefs and values. You know, when we strongly identify with a certain belief, we find it hard to be accepting of 
of other opposing contrary beliefs. For example, if we have a belief that gives us comfort, right? I believe if I take this drug, I'm comfortable. And all of a sudden we're challenged like, okay, that drug makes you feel comfortable. It relaxes you, but it has side effects that's hurting you and affecting your relationships around you. At that point, we feel from an emotional and psychological standpoint, like we're being put in danger. We're being challenged. Another person's disagreed and challenged our viewpoint. We get triggered and all of a sudden an argument breaks out over a Thanksgiving meal, right? That happens many times. And we get triggered because what are they doing? They're calling into question the truth and legitimacy of what we've been told. We find out many people, they like to go on what they have been told, whether it's true or not. And we see variations of this in Facebook rants, ideological wars waged on social media, the rise of cancel culture. And when people experience opposing beliefs and values, it becomes an emotional trigger for them. Oh, that is so well said. And we are seeing that so much. You know, another thing that we can really recognize and we are seeing more and more is ego preservation. You know, the ego is the over-exaggerated sense of self. And this manufactured identity that we carry is composed of thoughts, memories, cultural values, assumptions, and belief structures that we have developed in order to fit into society. And many of us have an ego with the idea that it will protect us by developing elaborate self-protection mechanisms in the form of beliefs, ideals, desires, habits, and even addictions. And when our egos are challenged, we feel disrespected or even hurt by other people, we're prone to become triggered immediately. I mean, we see that. If people feel like their ego is at risk, I mean, they will pounce, right? We'll argue, people will insult, belittle, defame, backstab, sabotage, assault people who pose a threat to ego's survival. And we see so many people, and you know, as a follower of Jesus, what do we call that? Pride. We call that pride, right? And so we recognize when that pride raises up in our lives, we have to be honest enough to say, are we being triggered? And actually, do we need healing? You know, Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. That's the posture. My goodness, does that defeat the ego in you? I was going to say, if you operate on that scripture, I pray that scripture daily. You operate on that scripture of do nothing out of selfish ambition, empty conceit. It will cancel so many triggers in your life. I love that. Next question. What are some of the signs that I may have some triggers? You know, I think that's a great question because I think we have to be able to take self-inventory and evaluate ourselves, right? Because we can always think of these type of conversations about triggers and think of other people that need to hear this conversation. (laughs) But we need to make sure and identify, you know, we all potentially may have emotional triggers because we've all been children and we've all, you know, experienced childhood traumas or different things that have happened in our life, whether during junior high years or years in our high school years or university years, or even as a young adult. And none of us are alone in this. Emotional triggers happen. And what dictates our emotional health is how we not only choose to react to those triggers, but to the extent in which we allow those triggers to actually absorb and even paralyze us. Growing up, we all experienced pain, like I said, shame. Some of us experienced trauma. Some of us, unfortunately, experienced abuse, heartbreak. All of us have probably experienced that and feeling left out. These are, these happen in life. And these traumas, you know, are a lot for many of us to process and let go of at times because we're just kids and we're still developing. So many of us have childhood stuff that we're not even aware of until we become adults. And they say that in about your mid twenties, your brain becomes fully developed. That's why often childhood trauma surface in your mid twenties, because your brain's actually able to be in a healthy enough developed state to be able to process childhood trauma. So with that being said, let's talk about signs of psychological triggers, because many of us are 
are recognizing as young adults, you begin to recognize things in your life. You're like, where is that coming from? So let's talk about that. So identifying what specifically triggers you is the first step to unplugging emotional triggers from their power source, right? That's how we're talking about what it is to overcome these things. Uh, For some of you, it could be being abandoned, being rejected, someone threatening to leave you, someone acting like they knew something about you that you didn't yet know. So they're acting like they got some secret on you, some private information, being ignored, maybe being cheated on. That's so true. And I would add to that, not being prioritized by people uh, that you did nothing but prioritize them. You deserve love back from them, but you didn't feel like you got it being gossiped about, especially today. So much of the bullying is cyberbullying, gossiping and stuff. Uh, The things that's taking place in high school amongst the emerging generation, but even in office place. Disagreements, someone lying on you and and you call them out on the lie. They try to make you feel like you're the crazy one. That's called gaslighting, y'all. Come on. Being criticized or judged, not being chosen over someone, although you were the more competent one you should be. Being made to feel dumb, being made to feel ugly, being made to feel unconfident, uh, incompetent. The list goes on, but I'm going to stop right there. But triggers, once they're identified, you're able to get to the root of them. That's why this is important. So through this, we got to understand that we are the only person empowered by God who can disallow emotional triggers from getting the best of us. No one else can do that for you. God has empowered you to do that alongside of him. All right, now to the Keep It 100 takeaways on how to triumph over triggers. We really want you to have an overcoming approach when it comes to triggers as we've talked about different things in your life that possibly have been exposed during this episode. You're like, I connect with that. I relate to that or that describes me. We want to, like we said, put some bullets in your gun, so to speak, where you're able to defeat what's coming at you. The first way you're able to defeat and really walk in an area of triumph is recognizing the trigger and accompanying thinking. People often know what launches them into a familiar path of pain. But here's some questions that can actually help you. What was the trigger that began this descent into despair, anxiety, or anger? When you're able to actually identify what was the thought process, what was the trigger, what was the thing that happened that actually began this, you're able to get to the root of what's actually spinning you out, what's actually taking you to that place of trauma. Another question you can ask is, when do you have a disproportionate reaction to a situation or a person? That's when you recognize your reaction to the situation is greater than what's called for in that specific situation. When you're seeing exaggerated moments where you can step on and go, I don't know why I'm responding that way. That's a great opportunity for you to reevaluate and actually get to the root of, are you having a reaction due to undealt with trauma? And the third question to be asking yourself with, are others puzzled by the intensity of your response or your mood swings? Again, we're talking about recognizing the trigger and, and the accompanying thinking. If you want to have freedom in your life, find out the source by following the thread. The second keep 100 takeaway gang as to how to triumph over triggers is pay attention to your peace levels. You know, the Bible tells us to let peace reign as umpire in your hearts. So one of the ways to know when all of a sudden you're starting to get triggered is to pay attention to your peace levels. Notice any tension, increased heart rate, you start getting flushed, you feel physical change that generally indicates that you're being, you know, at that point in time, physically recoiling from what you're experiencing. Do your teeth clench? Do your fists clench? Does your breathing accelerate? Does your face get warm? Just remember some of these physical reactions can be a subtle way to indicate to you that you're being triggered. So don't rule out anything. But the key is, is when you're paying attention to your peace levels and you feel them starting to slip out from underneath you, begin to invite the Holy Spirit to minister peace in that area because that is his specialty. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. If you ask him for peace, he will give it to you. The third Keep It 100 takeaway on how to triumph over triggers is notice what arrows fire through your head, meaning look for extreme thoughts with fearful 
hurtful, threatened, or unrighteous viewpoints. You really have to begin to discipline yourself to be aware of these thoughts without reacting to them. And that's tricky. The only way you're really able to do that is by turning to scripture because scripture tells us to take thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience to Christ. Know that the enemies, scripture tells us that the enemy shoots flaming arrows, but Ephesians 6, 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, that's where you'll have victory. So really recognizing that when you stand in the word of God, you're able to overcome anything that the enemy throws at you, but it's by taking every thought captive and laying it at the feet of Christ. The next keep it 100 takeaway as to how to triumph over triggers is who or what triggered the emotion. Now, earlier we talked about that you have to recognize the trigger. Now we're saying recognize the source of who or what triggered that emotion. And, and, and notice who or what has triggered this extreme physical or emotional response uh, within you. Begin to take note of that. Sometimes you'll discover it's a person, it's an object, it's a word, it's another sense impression that triggers you. Other times you'll notice that you're being triggered by a certain belief, viewpoint, or overall situation. For example, your trigger could range from anything like a loud noise to people who are overly dominating or opinionated. We've referred to that. Not only that, but you may have a whole series of triggers. So be vigilant to borrow biblical language and be open to perceiving a whole new spectrum of things that set you off that the Holy Spirit is beginning to highlight to you. Scripture tells us to stand against the wiles of the enemy. And Scripture also tells us to not be unaware of the devil's schemes. And what are wiles? People say wiles. We don't use that. Like the only time growing up I ever heard of wiles was like Wile E. Coyote with the Roadrunner. But wiles of the enemy are those clever schemes used by the devil to ensnare us through temptation, threat, or intimidation. And Ephesians 6, 11 warns us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Other Bible versions speak of the devil's schemes, strategies, or evil tricks rather than wiles. But also scripture gives us insight into the enemy tactics and says that we're not to be unaware of the devil's schemes. Second Corinthians 2, 11. So again, you need to take note as to who or what triggered the state that is negative that you're experiencing right now. The fifth Keep It 100 takeaway of how to triumph over triggers is repent, which means renew your mind. I know we hear repent. We go, what? Repenting is a beautiful journey where when we repent, we come before the Lord, there's a renewing of our mind and our spirit that takes place. God is gracious to help us identify triggers. It's a gift because it alerts us to repent in specific concrete areas. Since repentance is the key to change, this gives us hope. We can often minimize or even ignore God's goodness, his presence, and his perfect ways. Psalm 40 verses one through three is a great passage to address these areas of unbelief. I love this. Let's read it. God is good. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. God is present. As for me, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me, for you're my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. God is working. Come on, he's inclined to me. He's heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction. He put a new song in my mouth. The psalmist doesn't believe these things because he has a perfect past or a blameless record. Come on, somebody. We all know that's not true. David wrote these songs. He was imperfect, but because God gives salvation out of his great mercy in Jesus Christ, we can repent and actually be restored. A prayer of repentance may sound something like this, just to give you an idea. If there's an area of your life that's even been highlighted in listening to this episode today, you're like, Krista, how do I do that? Sean, how do I do that? You can say it as simple as this, Lord, this thought process reveals that I'm not believing the truth about who you are. Please forgive me for going astray after believing a lie or believing a false belief system that contradicts who your word says you are. God, forgive me. My thinking has become futile because I'm not honoring you or thanking you.
you, which we find in Romans 121 or in Psalms 40 verses two and three, it says, I'm in a pit of destruction, a miry bog of my own making. That means I've made decisions that haven't been good. I've gotten myself into this mess when I continue to think hopeless, godless thoughts, right? What does the word of God says? It says, instead of spinning into despair and anxiety, help me to wait patiently for you. And I'm going to keep crying out to you, God. Thank you for your forgiveness and your help. What is it? It's repenting. It's turning away. And when that happens, your mind gets renewed. Traumas get healed. I love that, boo. And one of the things I love it is that we're turning the trigger into not something that gets us into a bad state, but it becomes a, a trigger to open up our hearts and go into a deeper place of intimacy with God. I love that. The next Keep It 100 takeaway, number six is mobilize your cue. What do you mean by that? Uh, finally, specifically prepare thoughts beforehand that you will embrace the next time a trigger comes. Identify one thought that fuels the most downward cycle and prepare a God-honoring thought that will replace it. Let me say that again. Somebody take notes, get this down. Identify the one thought that fuels the most downward cycle and then prepare a God-honoring thought, usually from scripture or about the character of God that will replace it. And develop simple statements some people would call decrees that can easily be memorized and repeated uh, when you experience a trigger. Let me give you two things and trust me, these two things will change your life. Number one, engage in gratitude. Thank God for the opportunity to worship him and be changed. Thank him for the reminder that he is all you need. He's your savior. He's your God. And that the Lord is an ever-present help in time of need. Thank God for the reminder of the past sin or hurt because it humbles us. It pushes us to know Christ better. But at the same time, you know you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So obviously engage in gratitude. But also, in addition to engaging in gratitude, embrace a promise. Come on, somebody. Embrace a promise. Because why? God's grace is up to the challenge. Whatever you've been through, whatever was done to you, whatever injustice you're currently living in, God's grace is up to the challenge. God's grace is undefeated. God is going to give you all the grace and strength you need as you obey him. Scriptures to uh, check on on that is 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And understand this, when you embrace a promise, God hears your cries. He's working and he is good. So find a promise in scripture. Stand on that promise. When you start feeling triggered, quote that scripture, memorize it. And in doing it, you're going to find that there's a great joy and hope in moving from a trigger to a cue. You know what the difference is, right? A trigger is what drops you back in this place where you find yourself in a negative state. But a cue is kind of a moment that gets your attention that you can go deeper in God. So move from the trigger to the cue. God is cueing you to come into a greater place of intimacy. If you don't uh, have tools on that, listen to our last couple episodes of this podcast where we talked about holy passions. And God may be cueing you for specific repentance. He may be cueing you up for a new obedience. And as you recognize, repent, and prepare for specific situations, you're equipping yourself to worship God, love others with greater diligence, greater wisdom. Uh, And sometimes painful reminders in life can be a cue to trust God by remembering and rehearsing his goodness, his presence, and his perfect way. Keep 100 Tribe, Sean and I, we love you guys so much. And our heart and passion for you is to walk in the wholeness and the fullness of what God has designed for you and what he did for you on the cross. I know so many of you have probably gone through painful things, traumas and triggers, painful circumstances that maybe at times you felt victimized. I in no way, shape or form want to minimize the pain that people have gone through, but I do want to present to you the hope of Jesus Christ that he's able to restore and reconcile everything. It doesn't mean he condones what's happened and it's not okay for many of you of what happened, but God can restore and heal you and it no longer has to negatively define you. I want to encourage you today to get some time with the Lord. And for some of you to even take that farther, what does the word of God say? Really get the scripture of the word of God in your life 
life, renewing your mind and the promises of God activating your life. Some of you may need the need to pursue Christian counseling, open up to your pastors and leaders in your life and allow people to walk the journey of faith with you. You know, what I love about the Christian faith is it's given us family. And I want you to know in your journey of having triggers healed in your life, you have the family of God. You are not alone. And so let us just serve as a faithful reminder in your life that God has a plan. He has a purpose for you. You're not here by accident. And I want you to know your pain doesn't have to define you. It can merely become a part of your story and simply give God all the glory that through everything he got you through, through everything he restored you, through everything he set you free. I want to declare hope over you that your past is not going to be the setup for the rest of your life, but your past is merely a gateway to who God is in full display of who he is. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends and be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out, share this link on your social media platforms, and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you, so be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, we have an exciting announcement. As you know, it is Thanksgiving week, which means Black Friday specials, and we have an incredible Black Friday special for you. We are doing a momentum sale on the registration. Check it out. It's the lowest price you're going to get this season, so I want to encourage you, if you've been on the fence, if you haven't been sure if you're going to come or not, or you want a great Christmas gift idea for the loved one you want to come with you to Momentum, this is the time to get that registration. So go to SeanandChristaSmith.com and register today. Hey, Keep 100 Tribe, you do not want to miss next episode or the next series as we're going to be talking about Momentum. Some of you know we have a conference coming up January 19th, 20th, or 21st. Momentum in the Bay Area. It's sub kind of our tagline is we want a move. And so our next episode, we're going to have one of the greatest worship leaders, one of my favorite in this generation. He has probably led worship at more hours of prayer and more stadium events than uh, anyone I could immediately think of. His name is Matt Gilman. So you're going to look to download our next episode. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100.